Public Service Announcement, Modern Monetary Theory, Adelaide, 2020. If you are not there, you will not understand the world. (laughs) Well, thanks very much, uh, David. My name's Stephen Hale, and I am a lecturer in economics at Adelaide Uni. We are having a conference at the university uh, between the 10th and 12th of uh, January next year, a conference which is not aimed at economists and is not a traditional economics conference. Instead, it's aimed at anybody who would be interested in finding out more about modern monetary theory, which I've discussed with David and Tim a few times before, and what is sometimes called a Green New Deal or what some people like to call a a just transition, um, which means addressing climate change and ecological sustainability generally in the future, but also building a future based on social justice, I suppose. The idea for having the conference came to me initially when I had the opportunity of nominating somebody to be the Harcourt Professor at the university, and I that's a, a visiting professorship that is given to a prominent international economist engaged in public policy uh, every year. And I nominated Professor Stephanie Kelton, who is the global public face of modern monetary theory, who was the senior economist on the Bernie Sanders campaign in 2016 and is again in 2020 and has lots of Honours, one of which is that she's recently been named as one of the 50 most influential people of 2019 by Bloomberg, which is great. And wherever Stephanie goes around the world, she tends to attract a lot of attention, including media attention. And she's one of the architects of uh, Bernie's Green New Deal proposals as well and works with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the US, who, who people might also have heard of. So the university has invited Stephanie, and Stephanie will be here in early January. She'll be giving the Harcourt Lecture at the university on January the 14th. We haven't actually marketed that yet, but it's already sold out. Amazing. So there are, there are 450 places, and 450 tickets have already gone. And that wouldn't happen very often unless it's someone like her or when Stiglitz was here. That filled up too, didn't it? It did, it did. But yeah. even with Stiglitz, they had to market it. And, okay, and, wow. Uh, okay, so hers has just sold out, whereas his, they had to keep pushing the barrow around that someone important to Well, I hope everyone turns up. One of the reasons <laughs> hers has sold out is that I told the students she was coming. All right, so, <laughs> so you, need, think, you need spares. They actually turn up. Yeah, and, and we pushed it a little bit on Facebook, but the university media release hasn't gone out yet. <laughs> And so they're having to change it now because the point of the media release was to tell people about the Harcourt lecture. So I I had to get back to them a couple of days ago and said, well, you you better change it because you've already closed the registrations for the Harcourt lecture. (laughs) But the good news for everybody is that Stephanie is going to be speaking, well, she's going to be interviewed once and she's going to be speaking once at our conference the previous weekend. And we still have plenty of spaces in our conference. We've sold, and I'll defer to uh, my colleague, the organiser, Gabrielle Bond, at this point. How many tickets (laughs) have we sold? We have 270-odd bookings and the hall seats 400, or just over 400. So we'll have a full 
space and that's not including speakers and our great team of volunteers who are going to be helping people on the day and signing people in and looking after them as they attend. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, well over... We're a month out and you're two-thirds full. That's fantastic. Yeah. Did you say 270? Did I say 270? I think 170. 170 Sorry. 170-odd plus uh, speakers and others. So we're over 200 participants already. So half full a month out, which is pretty good for going into the summer break in Adelaide. Yeah, and I've told the university there'd be 200 people there. But actually the room will will sit 400. So we can go well beyond beyond that. Anyway, how how did the conference come around? Partly it was because lots of people started to tell me that they wanted to speak to Stephanie. So I had people from Melbourne and Sydney and Canberra all wanting to talk to her and Brisbane too. And it was impossible. I couldn't send her all those places. So mm-hmm. I, in the end, I turned around and said, well, you better come to Adelaide then. We'll have a conference. We won't, if, if people are going to come all the way to Adelaide, we won't just have Stephanie give a talk. We'll have a, a two, or it's turned out to be a three-day to accommodate all the speakers conference. And we won't just address modern monetary theory, but as I mentioned at the beginning, we'll talk about the elements of a Green New Deal too. So I decided to bring together not only the leading MMT economists, so Bill Mitchell will be here. So he's the one of the people who, along with Warren Mosler, originally developed modern monetary theory. So we'll have, in other words, two of the world's leading four modern monetary theory economists here. And we're also going to have some of the leading ecological economists as well, including Bob Costanza from ANU and somebody you spoke to recently, Phil Lorne, locally. Uh, And there'll be others as well. There'll be a panel of trade union leaders because if we're going to talk about how we transition away from an energy system where we're still dependent for 80% of our electricity on fossil fuels, for example, then... We can't do that without talking to and listening to the people who represent many of the workers in those industries. And the way the conference is going to be structured, the first day, uh, the Friday, the January the 10th, we're going to be, first of all, introducing modern monetary theory, and that's going to be Bill's job. He, as part of that, has recorded a, a video in the last few weeks where he's sat down with the other originator of modern monetary theory, Warren Mosler, in Newcastle and they just had a chat together in front of a camera. So Bill will play part of that at the conference. The rest we'll put on our website so people can have a look at the whole video. Then we're going to have a couple of First Nations speakers, including Tyson. One of them is Tyson Younger-Porter with his colleague, Kelly Mendel, I think her name is. Tyson recently published a book called Sand Talk, which is a bestseller And it's about what we can learn as far as sustainability is concerned from the relationship that First Nations people, not just in Australia, but around the world, Indigenous peoples have had with the land where they've seen themselves as the custodians of the land and as part of a community stretching uh, not only back into the past but forward into the future as well. And I was very keen to have some First Nation speakers, not just in a tokenistic way, but people who are really experts in what they're talking about. And that's certainly the case with Tyson. After that, we're going to have Phil introducing people to 
ecological sustainability. And he'll be talking about the three principles of sustainability, which are that you don't emit waste more quickly than that waste can be processed safely by the natural environment. You don't use up renewable resources more quickly than they can be renewed. And you don't use up non-renewable resources more quickly than you can develop renewable substitutes for them. And he's going to be... Well, he's already done it, actually. I was the producer and somehow we managed to get something decent coming out of it because it's not my strength. But he's interviewed Herman Daly within the last week. Herman Daly was one of four economists who, in the 1960s and 70s, really started talking about ecological issues. Kenneth Boulding was another... E.F. Schumacher, who people might have heard of if they read the book Small is Beautiful, for example, was another. Herman is the only one of them that's, that's still with us. And Phil sat down and had a good chat with Herman Daly. Again, we'll publish the whole interview, but we'll edit it. And Phil will, as he introduces ecological economics, he'll have snippets from Herman Daly talking about issues like those principles that I just went through. And amongst other things, they'll talk about gross domestic product as Phil discussed with you and Herman will say if you can manage absolute decoupling if you can reduce your ecological footprint in the future while growing GDP fine go ahead and grow GDP you just haven't demonstrated yet that that's possible and then we're going to end up the Friday with an interview between another friend of mine Claire Connolly who's a brilliant journalist and Stephanie so she's going to interview Stephanie about a range of uh, things, which I'm sure will include the Bernie Sanders campaign and uh, what it's like to be a prominent woman economist. There are not many women who are at the head of the economics profession, I'm sad to say. On the second day, we're going to start off talking about the paradigm shift, which is in the early stages of happening at the moment in economic management or macro economics and we've got somebody called Martin Watts who is a co-author with Bill Mitchell of a new and again best-selling macroeconomics textbook that's that's going to do that for us and then later on in the second day we're going to have a, a panel where we're going to address the sort of future that we would like to create for Australia and that means addressing issues like homelessness inequality generally we'll no doubt talk about a job guarantee uh, at that point Then in the afternoon on the second day, Bill Mitchell is going to speak again and he's going to do something which I think is quite important. He's going to unveil his Just Transitions framework. Bill has lined up a coalition of groups in Australia, campaigning organisations, First Nations groups, that kind of thing, and an outline of a set of principles which, if we were to follow them in the future, could transition us in a just way, which means uh, without the burden of adjustment falling disproportionately on anybody. From the approach that we take to economic activity at the moment to an approach which is genuinely sustainable and which could lead to Australia being one of the leaders in a global movement to address climate change while we still have time to do it. And then we're going to end the second day with our friend Philip. He is also going to do something which should be exciting because he's going to explain the first set of internationally comparable statistics for the Genuine Progress Indicator, which he was talking about to you before. 
on the evening of that day, we're going to watch a movie called 2040, which is a great movie that uh, when I was flying to visit Stephanie and back recently, I watched about six times going to the US uh, and back. Uh, the, the filmmaker and starts off the movie watching his small daughter running around and just thinking to himself, she's going to be grown up by the 2040. What kind of world could we create by 2040 if we were to take advantage of the technology that exists at the moment and do the things which it is possible to do? There's no technological reason why we can't address climate change and continue to maintain good lifestyles for people and give people good opportunities to live a secure and, and rewarding life. If we were to get on with it now, if we didn't have the institutional barriers in the way to making the changes we need to make, what kind of world could we create by 2040? It's a very positive movie. But I think we can be very negative sometimes. Gabby's got a photo of me walking around with a placard one of the climate strike days. Uh, and it's great to protest and we need to protest at the moment because there are things to be very concerned about particularly where climate change is concerned. But we also need a positive vision to offer people for the future, and that's something that this movie addresses. Then on the Sunday, we start off with some ecological economics, and Bob Costanza, who I mentioned before, who is in some ways the Bill Mitchell of ecological economics, it's great that uh, Phil has persuaded Bob Costanza to come over, uh, is going to talk about the importance of our natural capital and maintaining and enhancing and where possible restoring our natural capital rather than living off it and destroying it over time. And that will relate back a little bit to what Tyson Younger Porter would have been talking about on the first day really. It's about us being custodians of this country that we live in, which, you know, if you're going to steal a country from the First Nations people who, who lived here before, the least you can do is look after it. And then we're going to have Mark Diesendorf from the University of New South Wales, who is, he's not a climate scientist, but he is an expert in the science of climate change. He's also an expert in the potential for renewable energy and the use of hydrogen and that sort of thing. So he's going to be talking about the prospects to move rapidly towards a situation where, well, at the moment, we rely on Australia for renewables for about 6% of our power, it's about 20% of our electricity, 6% of our power, towards something much closer to 100%. Then we're going to have those that panel of trade unionists, and it's quite deliberately going to be controversial in some respects. We've got Tony Mayer, who's at the head of the CFMEU, is one of the speakers, so we want to take on these issues directly. If there are difficult conversations to be had, we want to have those difficult conversations. We want to include affected interest groups in the discussion. We want to provide people with good, rewarding jobs in new industries before we take away some of those old jobs which have to disappear in time. Uh, and then, finally, we're going to have the keynote speaker, Stephanie, back again. And she's going to be doing something very similar to the talk she'll do on the following Tuesday evening, actually, which you can't book into, uh, which is going to be, she's going to be talking about modern money and the birth of a people's economy. And there's going to be that positive vision for the future. My overall hope is that people will take away from the conference uh, 
first of all, an understanding of the three principles of modern monetary theory, which I've talked about before, which is that the government and we as a whole, as a nation, can run out of things to buy, but the government can't run out of money, and that the government's deficit is everybody else's surplus, and it's normal and nothing to be concerned about when governments run deficits in countries with monetary systems like Australia. Then the three principles of ecological sustainability, which I went through a few minutes ago. And then I suppose another three principles, really, one of which is that any just transition or Green New Deal, whichever term you like, arose by any other name, as they say, it must reflect, it must respect those principles of ecological sustainability but it also must reflect a realistic understanding of the monetary system and macroeconomic management and what's possible. So it's got to have both of those elements in it. Secondly, that means having binding targets which you then stick to. It's no good just putting a tax on a few things and hoping that uh, over time the market will magically provide the outcome that you need in terms of providing us with a safe and secure environment in the future. There is, of course, a role for, for the market and for pricing carbon emissions, but there has to be a quantitative cap. And that quantitative cap must be informed by natural science. It can't be something that we choose because it's convenient. It has to be something which is in line with Well, I think it has to be in line with the upper limits of, uh, when I say the upper limits, it has to be in line with the most pessimistic forecasts of what might happen to our natural environment over the next 50 or 100 years if we don't get on with things very quickly, made by credible scientists, not by people who don't have a great deal of expertise. Behind them, But we can't be deciding what we're going to do in the future on the basis of having a 50 or 60% chance of avoiding a catastrophe. We have to be sure that we are not causing a human-induced catastrophe. Uh, and Australia needs to be at the head of this movement. It's no good people saying we only cause 1.5% of global emissions so we don't matter. Actually, we're the world's biggest coal exporter. If you take that into account, it's more like 5%. Of, of global emissions, it's quite a high figure. But that doesn't matter either. Per capita, we have easily the highest emissions of carbon dioxide in the OECD. We are the world's biggest emitter, and there are a variety of reasons for that. But it does mean that we have a responsibility as one of the richest countries in the world with, outside of some of the Gulf states, the highest emissions per person in the world we have a responsibility to get on and do something about it. So that's the, that's the second principle there in these final three. We need quantitative limits. We need to stick to them. And the third one is it has to be just. When I say just, uh, when you talk about a just transition, you sometimes get people who are working maybe in, in coal mining come back at you and say, it's easy for you to say it's not going to cost you your job because they're used to progressives using the word just only in the context of, well, I don't know, um, quite rightly and defending the rights of First Nations peoples and that sort of thing. Well, that's important. But here when I say just, I mean just to everyone. So if you're going to take somebody's well-paid job, which is related to coal mining away, then you need to provide them with the opportunity of having another 
well-paid, rewarding job, or you need to compensate them because if there are costs to a transition, then those costs have to be fairly distributed. They can't fall narrowly on one particular group, and this has to be planned for. It means government involvement. We can't leave everything to the market because the market won't save us. That's it, really. Went on for quite a long time, but that's it. <laughs> it sounds as if it's, well, clearly it's no accident. Clearly, obviously, you, you're organising it, but it actually sounds significant that this is occurring. Something of this um, calibre and size is occurring in Australia, being, let's say, our per capita emissions. Uh, in the middle of summer where we're burning mm. more of them than usual. Absolutely. So, you know, just because this is in little old Adelaide does, uh, should not diminish uh, the significance of such an event. Uh, it sounds as if there is an incredible potential for this to change, not just the course of South Australia or Australia, but indeed the world. You have international guests. It kind of sounds like we're going back to what South Australia once was, which was a leader. Mm. And then somehow we forgot to be that for 40 years. I hope so. And uh, the university media people are helping as well. We're trying to get uh, Stephanie onto television. And uh, I mean, we're, we know she's going to be on, on the radio and in the newspapers. But we, we, we do want to, if we can, even if very slightly, shift the national conversation. Bushfires and heat waves are doing that a little bit. As we know, uh, it's very difficult to tie weather events in a particular year to climate change. But there are more and more stories around the world about the fact that for years, climate scientists and economists that listen to them, like Philip, have been saying, you'll get, over time, much more frequent and more extreme climate events. In the news today, there's uh, evidence that the Greenland ice shelf is melting much more quickly than anybody had previously anticipated and can't remember how many times more quickly than it was uh, 20 years ago. History is moving in a particular direction. We had one of the ministers of the New South Wales government, which is, of course, a coalition government, was on the news today because he was at the Smart Energy Conference yesterday, um, where they were talking, amongst other things, for the potential for hydrogen to uh, be a big part of Australia's energy future. But in his speech, he said, it's obvious um, we're facing the consequences of uh, human-induced climate change and not having a policy, and this is a liberal saying wow. this, mm. is not, is, is, that's not a policy. We have to get on and do something about it. So if we could affect the national conversation even very slightly, then that would be great. And I don't want to be, there's bound to be some partisan stuff going on because we've got people coming to the conference who are very closely linked to the ALP or to the Australian Greens and and that's fine. I hope people who are at the conference, they're not going to agree with everything everybody says. I'm going to say at the beginning that I hope everybody can play nicely and be courteous to each other and actually perhaps even have an open mind and accept that we none of us know everything so everybody can learn something at the conference, but they're not obliged to agree with everything that everybody says. And indeed, there'll be people contradicting other people that are speaking at the conference. But it's just getting these issues into the public domain as our what's been the consensus for macroeconomic management is gradually collapsing, which is going to happen over the next year. And at the same time, as the evidence in favour of anthropogenic climate change gets stronger 
and stronger. So we're really not very far away from the point where anybody who doesn't take this seriously, whether they're the Prime Minister or, or whoever they are, is going to look very foolish and indeed even perhaps dangerous. Mm. Well, I can say now on, on behalf of David and I that we're both very excited to be there and privileged as well that you're you're taking us with you on this journey so we can kind of help expose as much as we can to a, a, a thoughtful audience these ideas. I'll be spending my birthday there on the 11th, so I'm uh, indeed very excited. But how can we get some more people along? You say you've still got 200 spaces. What can our audience do if they're interested? Um, they can look us up online. We're at www.mmt-adelaide-2020.com or you could look up their Modern Money Facebook page and there's lots of links on that Facebook page. At the website I mentioned, you'll find information on how to register on all of our speakers. You'll find a link to the most up-to-date version of our program. If you're not from Adelaide and you're listening to this from afar, you can also find information on some suggested places you might like to stay and some fun things to do while you're in the city as well. It's a pretty good time to get cheap accommodation. It's a nice quiet time of year. Hopefully the weather will be just beautiful, <laughs> fingers crossed. But even if it's not, we'll be totally comfortable down in that in the amazing Bragg's Lecture Theatre, which is, I believe, the best lecture theatre in the whole city. Yes. Uh, so it's yeah, meant to I be. Think, I think <laughs> so, yeah, I think so. I've taught in all of them, I think. <laughs> just right. they, they made a lot of effort to make it nice, and it does seem nicer, doesn't it? It does. All I was the bits very came together. I was attached to the old place, Union Hall, that yeah. got, got got pulled down. But it wasn't a great place to teach in. No, actually. Well, this is <laughs> this is where the university puts their public lectures on. You would imagine they're putting on their foot, putting their best foot forward in terms of the public eye. So I would imagine that yeah, using that space would be good. Absolutely, yeah. And above that space, of course, is where we'll have a mini studio where <laughs> David and Tim will be interviewing. I hope lots of people across the conference. It like should be pirates, we will be press ganging anyone we can possibly grab. Yes, and I'll be trying to. I'll be trying to record Shepherd. everybody. I won't yeah. be doing much speaking myself because I've got some real experts coming. So it will be like we used to say in England. I uh, shouldn't really use this expression now. Taking coals to Newcastle, mm. <laughs> they, they don't actually mine any coal in Newcastle in England anymore it won't be all that many years before that's true for newcastle in new south wales <laughs> that's part of the transition <laughs> when you've got when you've got bill mitchell and stephanie kelton to talk about mmt and you've got bob costanza and mark diesendorf to talk about ecological economics and sustainability then people don't really need to listen to me mm. i'll be interviewing a couple of uh, interesting authors during the conference but otherwise I'll be running around trying to make sure everything is recorded so there should be some YouTube videos coming out but um, we really love it if you could come it would be great if you could come along because in our audience we're also going to have and some I know this because some of them have bought tickets already we're going to have the economic advisors of some of the leading politicians in Australia the, the politicians won't be there but some of their advisors will be there and we'll also have some journalists in the audience too and you know what would really impress them? A packed Bragg's theatre. Mm. Well, more significant them. than that, I think, what would impress them is an audience who want to understand mm. and then hold the system to account. Mm. Absolutely. So audience, this is about turning up so you understand what questions to ask mm. to make sure that democracy runs effectively. 
And of course, you'll have the opportunity to ask questions. I can't guarantee if we've got loads of people uh, that everybody can ask all the questions they want. But you'll have the opportunity to mix with uh, speakers and with other interesting people uh, and ask questions. Gabby will be either herself or one of her volunteers will be rushing around with a microphone. Uh, so that people have a chance to engage with uh, the speakers at the conference. I hope it's going to be great fun. We've certainly set it up so that it uh, it should be. If you are coming, I'd also ask you to bear in mind that this entire thing has been basically organised by the two of us in our spare time. We're not professional. Well, actually, Gabby <laughs> is a professional organiser, part-time, but this is not part of her, part of her job. Uh, and this has sort of... We sort of organised this conference by accident a little bit. There's a lot of serendipity involved in it. It's going to turn out to be much bigger than we'd anticipated it to be. It's gained a lot of momentum since you first came in and talked to us and the first version of who was speaking was up. So mm-hmm. it's it started sucking in energy and matter now. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it is bigger true. than it's uh, the sum of all of its parts. parts. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it won't be a black hole. <laughs> no, 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 I was thinking more that wonderful point of getting a singularity and then oh, it goes it. back yeah, out yeah, again. Absolutely. You know, that whole yeah. idea with you know, <laughs> physics and no information gets lost. Yeah, absolutely. We also have some opportunities for people to connect with each other and with our guests over lunch, morning tea, afternoon tea. We have an app which one of our volunteers who is helping out a bit has set up so you can connect with people online if that's your thing. We have drinks on Friday night. Come and speak to At us. the Howling Owl. Lovely. Yes. Or at, and that's where we're going to – there might be too many of us to fit in the Howling Owl, but on Rundle Street anyway. We, we chose the Howling Owl partly because it's a great place, but also partly because us MMT economists, we call ourselves Deficit Owls. So that's an appropriate place to go. Because we're very wise. Yes. Gabby says that in the most mischievous (laughs) way. I wish I could see the smile that went with that. (laughs) I'm not wise. (laughs) But you're mischievous. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes. Both of you are far too humble. And I know from listening to even your radio interviews and things, uh, Stephen, that you have a lot to contribute. Uh, So um, I would encourage you not to talk yourself down in, in the presence of... Oh, we're not people, doing that. We're not, well, we're, you, we you really were, are getting some of mm. the world's... Uh, I'm not one of the world's leading economists, but we are getting the world's leading economists to come. Mm. Uh, uh, that's not talking myself down. No, by, by no, no sure, <laughs> sorry. No, you were saying that you, you weren't going to speak. Uh, no, no, well, I, I'm yeah. going to interview a couple of people, yeah. but, you know, if you're a physicist and you've got Albert Einstein coming, you don't speak. You sit and take <laughs> notes. You do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All good. Well, again, very excited. Audience, please head to www.mmt-adelaide-2020.com and organise some tickets. And and we hope to see you there. If not, we hope that you'll be listening in to David and I trying to bring you there if, if you can't make it. So, I know I'll be fascinated by your interviews. I'll be listening to all of them. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for also offering both of your time to come and um, make the most of this great opportunity. It's going to be terrific to have that happening um, on the, you know, uh, on the fringes and hope you can get to some of the, the actual talks as well. Mm. So mm. we'll just try and manage it so that you can choose from the program what you'd really like to listen to. And it's all right. We're yeah. really good at doing three things at once. Yeah, <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> See if we can wire the audio into our studio room. Yeah, and just Mm. listen and do. (laughs) And we very much uh, appreciate today, and I very much appreciate the interest that you've taken in MMT, the job guarantee, talking to Phil about the genuine progress indicator and everything that goes with it, it really. 
Thank you very much. Thank you for coming in and thank you for involving us. Our pleasure, absolutely. Absolutely, thank you. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe and like our Facebook page. Search for Blind Insights with David Olney. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the OzCast Network. Peace out. Thank you.